Welcome back. We hope you've been behaving yourself. This is Jackie Noto. And this is Mary Lewis. Welcome to Behave Yourself, a podcast on BA without the BS. Jackie, what is your character of the week from Stevie to a little bit Alexis? How's it really going? A little bit Alexis. I'm having a a Rory Gilmore week. Like Rory Gilmore minus the relationship problems. Right. Like when when she's in her prime, when she's on her grind, when she is reading and studying and applying herself, not when she's like in sketchy situationships. Right. Just like the the Rory Gilmore, I'm sure so many girls wanted to be when they grew up. That's that's the vibe I'm feeling this week. We love that. Are you like in your Are you in your scholar era? Like, how does it feel different than previous weeks? Yes, I'm in my scholar era. Uh, It's different because, okay, so my writing behaviors have been punished a little bit in the time that I've been doing some research. So getting back into writing when my behavior set has been so severely punished Mm -hmm. has been really hard. And I get like feelings of anxiety that like, I'm not going to accomplish anything that I shouldn't like. There's it's so much work. I'm not capable. I'm not competent when like, that's not the reality. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because when I open the document after finally mitigating those thoughts and pushing them down, I open the document And then I get to work on it and I work for like six hours without like a question, without a stop, without a pause. And I'm just cranking. So something that I just told my advisor I'm going to start doing is I'm going to make videos for myself. So after I work for like a chunk of time, I'm going to make a video for myself on my phone, explaining to my future self the work I just did, what I'm starting off with next time. And a reminder that like, you are capable, you are competent, you've had no problems in it your last session at all. So just hop back in and do it and you're going to enjoy it because I'll start working on one piece and I'll be like, oh, a great transition sentence would be if I had something on this from data in this sector. And then I go find that and I pop it in and then I keep reading and I'm like, oh, you know what? I should really cite this thing. And I go grab it and I put it in and I keep going. So like once I get started, it just all falls into place beautifully because I do know what I'm doing, my behavior set has just been punished to where I have imposter syndrome when it comes to these behaviors. But in reality, I know how to write. I know APA like the back of my flipping hand. And often it's not just like this fake status that I'm putting on myself. Like other people also acknowledge that I do have writing skills and I know how to do it. So it's just reminding myself that I have writing skills and I know how to write and then writing. So I think having little videos afterwards would help me to keep engaging in that behavior because if I can't listen to myself, who am I going to listen to? Yeah. And self-talk is so important. Thoughts, Thoughts become things. Who is your character this week? We went for my default favorite, which is Angelina Jolie as Laura Croft. It's very much a nostalgic like set of movies for me. And 
I would say that I'm feeling like a Laura Croft this week in the sense that I'm just really like focusing on my own personal and professional goals as it relates to my career, as it relates to school, and just kind of putting myself first in those scenarios. Very, I'm, when I think about Laura Croft, I think like stoic and like getting things done and like a little bit of like, yeah, like the dark feminine energy. I really, I think that's really, really um, like a attractive, like cool feature to be as a human. And that's, that's how I'm feeling this week. And that's what I'm trying to channel this week. Angelina Jolie really slays those dark feminine energy roles. Like I love her when she is in those characters because she just embodies it so well. She really does. And it, it seems, it just like reminds me of female confidence. And I really like that. There's a video, it's like five seconds where she's sitting across the way from a man. I think he's a famous actor, but I don't know who he is. And um, they say something like, okay, like you're going to talk to Angelina Jolie, like show me, show me your dark feminine energy. Like he says something to that effect, like trying, just like, give me a look and like, let's, I don't know, you know, and she looks up at him and it's like half a second she makes eye contact with him and he like jumps back. Like he's like, you know, just like almost like he's been hit with her confidence. And um, that's what, that's what I'm trying to, you know, model after vibes I love that for you embracing the dark feminine it's a beautiful place to be Shall we talk about some recommendations yes ma'am yes ma'am so first and foremost y'all I want to apologize I was just telling Mary this before the call I recommended that we all read the source together and then I was checking on Amazon and it was unavailable but As of today, it's now available on Amazon again, so it might just take me a little bit to read it, but I promise that I'll be getting to it. Uh, But on the same note here, we talked about reading. We also talked about creating an affirmations playlist. So I did go ahead and create an affirmations playlist for us on Spotify with a bunch of empowerment songs for you to listen to. I think it's like five hours long at this point. So if you're interested at all, I'll post a link for that on the Instagram and check it out. No harm, no foul if you don't. But if you're someone who, whose day, whose behaviors, whose mood is affected by the stimuli in your environment fairly easily, starting with positive, empowering stimuli in the morning through the form of music is a great suggestion. It works for me a lot. Yeah, it's a great mood. It's a great mood shaper in terms yeah. of like how you want to feel. What is your recommendation this week? My recommendation this week is an Instagram account called the handle is getting poeta and they post beautiful nature scenes. And then they have a affirmation phrase on the image and the aesthetic is just, oh my gosh, so incredibly beautiful. And it's really motivational and inspiring. And I'm really obsessed with it. I w- would recommend anyone. I try to look at it every day, almost every day and repost something because it's just like so much positivity and it's gorgeous. Like nature's so freaking cool. And if you vibed with our vision boards at all, we both use some images from getting Poeta. So if you liked those, that's where they're from. What are we spilling the tea on today? Today, we are talking about soft skills that we hold in high regard as an OBMer. We're going to share our thoughts and opinions, and hopefully it will benefit you. Ooh, 
I love this topic of conversation because I feel like these soft skills aren't things that we talk about too much in behavior analysis, but they're extremely important. I think one of the reasons why we don't hear them too much is because the layman term soft skill isn't something that we really break down into behaviors. However, Mary and I try to break almost everything in our lives down into behaviors. And soft skills are really just a lot of micro behaviors that you're engaging in when you are in a conversation or an interaction with someone. So figuring out these microfacial behaviors, micro body behaviors that you can be engaging in that lead to an increased likelihood of success in this collaboration, in this conversation can be very helpful. So I'm excited for this chat today. Me too. I did a little Google search of a layman definition just to get us to a starting point of what Google thinks soft skills mean. This is the definition I pulled up. Soft skills include interpersonal people skills, communication skills, listening skills, time management, problem solving, leadership, and empathy. That's very inclusive. Yeah. Where do you want to start? I have one. I don't necessarily, we can decide if it's a true soft skill or not, but I have one that is like my golden rule of soft skills and it's more just to protect myself and my people pleasing. I can start with that one if you like. Great. Let's do it. When you are talking to a customer, colleague in a workplace setting, networking, and they are talking to you about a problem, solution, challenge, barriers, and it seems like they could be asking for your help and you provide them with some solution, whether it's like a great explanation or it's like a simple like, oh, have you thought about trying this? And they immediately shut it down. It's time to walk away and leave. And the reason why this is such a professional value for me is because there were so many experiences that I've had in the past where I thought I knew, who knows if I was right or not, but I thought I knew of a really good behavior analytic based solution to a problem that was being um, asked for me to solve. And when I provided that solution, it was constantly shut down or there was no follow through. So I'd be like, well, maybe if we try this, take data, analyze this, this will happen. And then it didn't happen. And so it almost kind of looks like you're the bad guy, but in reality, it's just because there was no follow through from the necessary entities that needed to actually um, like create the solution and run it out in the system. And so in terms of like people pleasing or just like focusing on like putting all your effort into something that isn't going to add any value for you, I hold that in very high regard in terms of like reading how people are, and this is the soft skill, like reading how people are responding to you providing solutions. And if you're getting any pushback at all, I would say just immediately walk away, change the, change the topic, like just move on. Because I think there's a very fine line between like just ranting and venting as opposed to explaining a problem barrier or issue you're having and wanting some sort of solution or like empathy to a solution. This is something that I work on in my personal life as well. When someone comes to me with a problem, I want to provide them with assistance. I want to provide them with help. I want to help them reach their solution. And something that I've had to realize is sometimes people are sharing with you just to share. They weren't sharing to hear a solution. They just needed to talk about it. So something that helps me too when I 
obviously it's a different situation in a business setting compared to a personal relationship setting. But in my personal relationships, I literally ask, someone will share with me something that's going on and I'll say, do you want advice or do you just want to vent? And just asking that question, figuring out what that answer is ahead of time helps because there's nothing more annoying when you just want to complain about something and someone starts giving you suggestions, giving you advice. And you're like, I know what to do. I just wanted to bitch. So Mm -hmm. with this too, like there's no harm in just asking someone what their goal of this conversation is because then you're on the same page. Yeah. And taking your ego out of it, like they didn't ask for a solution. You don't need to constantly provide one. I think that's such a great point. And it definitely does generalize into personal life. And in the same way of protecting your peace in a professional setting, protecting your peace in a personal setting, if someone's sharing with you and it's constantly vent, 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 then maybe they should be seeking professional help. Maybe they should be talking to somebody else. Like that's just, that's not all on you as a burden, especially if they're asking, maybe they ask for your help, maybe they don't, but all they want to talk about is one specific thing and constantly rant about it. That's not fair to you either. So protecting your peace in that way and saying like, hey, like you've been talking about this a lot. Like, is there anything really good happening in your life or are you interested in talking to somebody else about it? Because I don't think that I can provide the solutions that you need. We do not provide free therapy here. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> I think as a people pleaser, it can be really hard. Like I've definitely had patterns of friendships where when I look back and they've just like faded over time, like from a while ago, the only it seems as though the only reason that we really communicated is for them to I don't want to say trauma dump, but I want to say like, just really focus on what was bothering them in life as if they didn't mm-hmm. have anyone else to share because there wasn't anyone else in their life that would say, Hey, like, this is a lot for me to take in. Like, can we talk about something else that maybe like we mutually want to talk about or something that I'm interested in as well? And I don't mean that in a selfish way, but that's definitely something I think people pleasers can get trapped in. And so remembering that that's not always your role. Like if that's a constant pattern for you, that's that's not fair to you. And if you need to say no, say no, right? You don't have to always be available. Uh, I have also had friendships like this where when they want to vent, it's portrayed as if it's an emergency situation. And most of the time it's not an emergency. They just wanted to talk to you, but they wanted you to drop whatever you were doing to be available for that. Um, so maintain the boundaries that you have. Say say no. Yeah, and that's really hard. It's it's definitely it effective, is. but it's it's really, really challenging. So it's it's a big thing, but we but support you. Something I remind myself here, just like in a relationship, a friendship a collaborative entity, no means no. And if you can't accept me saying, I can't take this information right now, I can't engage in this conversation right now. If you cannot take that no statement, you are not someone that I need in my life, which sounds harsh, but if you're not willing to respect my boundary, that's a flag. Regarding soft skills via email, I wanted to talk about this a little bit. Because I do think there's polarizing opinions in regard to um, being like using fluff words in email, using words that like suggest empathy and like kindness in email and how some people are like, that should not be like no exclamation points at all. And then some people are like, no, like fill it up with love. Like that's awesome. Like words that indicate that 
And I think there's a fine line at the end of the day, but um, I just wanted to talk about it because I do think it's a soft skill that could really add value to communicating via email. So here's a little soapbox tangent I want to go off on. Um, And it actually comes from Dr. Nicole Gravina. Because for the longest time, I was like, I need to get rid of my exclamation marks. I need to get rid of my fluff because this will make me be taken more seriously. And Dr. Gravina brought up this point at some conference. I don't really remember, but it stuck with me of why are we continually as women trying to transform who we are into what men do in business settings? There's nothing weak about having soft skills. There's nothing weak about showing compassion, showing empathy for someone else. And if anything, other individuals should try to be emulating the behaviors that we engage in. So that was a a shift for me because for a long time I was like, well, I need to be shorter. I need to be curter because this is how men in my life respond to these things. So I need to follow that. But in reality, especially in the role I hold, right? As someone who teaches courses, I don't need to be short with my students. I can show up with empathy, with kindness. And I think that really goes for any employee environment. Why wouldn't we want to show kindness to the people we work with? Yeah. And have that be the culture. Yeah. I think, I think that's a great point. And I agree. I've heard a similar sentiment of um, you don't necessarily need to remove all your exclamation points or avoid saying like, I hope you have a great day. There's certain ways to say certain things that can definitely make sure that you're emulating that you're confident and compassionate at the same time. I think it's also a soft skill, especially if you're in like a leadership setting or supervision setting to use language in your email that is clear, but not emotionally responsive. Because I think there can be a difference in how people read emails, just like reading text messages. And so as a leader, like I've learned through my own negative experiences that I never want to come off as like truly like emotionally upset or angry at anyone via email, because at the end of the day, like it's work and it's the next day I could be totally fine. And the person that received that email could be like so incredibly feeling guilty and like scared and fearful. And that's just not something that really adds value in any like supervisory or leadership relationship. And so I think there is definitely the skill of mastering when and how to use that type of language and also making sure that you're not coming from a reactive state or using language that would imply that you're feeling like this emotional type of way, because that's, I just don't think that's, um, I think it's a hard skill to learn, but I think it's really important to not be reactive in that way. And emails are just like text messages. You can read them differently. Mm -hmm. You're not always going to get the tone. So sometimes having a little bit of extra context in what you're trying to say can help to make your tone clearer when you do have emotions or feelings. I actually view email writing in four different levels. So the bottom level is curt. Like you are being way too short. Honestly, this probably isn't professional with how little you've written in this email, what you've provided. Like I could do that, period. No greeting, no signature. To me, that's unprofessional. So Kurt is level one. Level two is professional. You open with a greeting. You're using full sentences. You have a signature, done. Level three for me is compassionate, where you are, you know, having maybe a little, I hope this email finds you well. Uh, thank you so much for your assistance in advance. I appreciate your collaboration, right? 
we're at that compassionate level. And then the level after that, it's fluff. So we're including way too much context, way too much filler information. Uh, and for me, examples of fluff would be like, I'll send an email and I'll say, in my opinion, I think it would be beneficial for us to blah, 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 blah. Of course, it's your opinion. You wrote the email. Of course, you think it would be beneficial. Otherwise, you wouldn't bring it up. So I try to stay in like my level three, but level two is okay. If I'm having a rough day, I could just be professional, but I try not to go in my one, which is just too short or my four, which is too long. One more thing I want to bring up with email language here. Um, and this is something that I've really loved changing as a people pleaser. I used to always close emails with, thank you, Jackie. Thanks, Jackie. And it would really frustrate me because a lot of the times it was me doing work for you and then I'm thanking you. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't figure out how to close an email that felt professional, that felt compassionate, that wasn't thank you. So uh, a suggestion, if you need one, I always close with kind regards. Kind regards is my go-to because it's like, uh, this is a professional thing to say in a closing of an email. This is emulating the same sentiment of thank you. I'm sending it off nicely. My So kind regards is my professional level. My compassionate level is warmly. Like if a student tells me something's going wrong in their life, I close it with warmly instead of kind regards. Uh, best to me is like a 1.5. It's a little, a little, a little short. It's fine. It works. No signature, no closing. I'm like, I can't do that to someone unless it's like you and I are doing back and forth email exchanges within the same day where I'm like email three, I'll just start signing with Jackie because you don't need to see warm or kind regards over and over and over. But like, if I'm sending you an email and it's the first email I'm sending, there's no way I'm closing with a best. There's no way I'm closing with no signature. So including that in your verbal behavior in emails, I found is really beneficial as well, because it's still emulating that professionalism that you want to give off, but we're not being too much about it. I like that consistency. This feels much more good. genuine for me to say kind regards than it does for me to say thank you. Yeah, I like that. I actually didn't realize that it was not professional to um, not include a greeting after you reply, which I mean, there's it's not a hard and fast rule, but I recently, like in the past six months, I don't know how I stumbled upon it. It was probably social media, like professional development. But they were like, you have to have a greeting, like always open with a greeting. It can come off as unprofessional if you don't. And these aren't hard and fast rules. We're just giving you, this is our advice. Like we're not saying if you don't do any of these things, you're not professional via email. We're not saying that at all. But um, I didn't realize that that could look a little more curt. And so whether it's true or not, even if they are replies, like continuous replies in the same email chain, rather than sometimes instead of just being, hi, Mary, hi, Mary, so I'll be like, thanks so much, Mary. Or like, that sounds great, Mary. And then I answer because I didn't realize that it might come off as um, a little short when I didn't mean it to, but that's just food for thought. If you don't do it, you're still like your email etiquette is probably fine. These are just our little tips and tricks that we've learned over the years. Moving from the online atmosphere, let's go in person and talk about some of those soft skills that can come up when we are engaging in conversation face-to-face -face instead of over the interwebs yes the neutral face which I want Jackie to talk about I do have a little confession to make though I 
It's just a confession. That's what it is. These are my confessions. Because I have learned the neutral face and I practice it regularly, I will admit that there are times where I purposely engage in nonverbal expressions to make a point if I am like outwardly not okay with something that's said, especially if it's in like a group setting or it's not targeted towards me. I definitely have used it before and my intention behind it is to be authentic. I don't necessarily know if that's professional and I don't necessarily know if I would have the courage to do that in a setting with like CEOs and like my bosses but it definitely is something that I do because I know how to maintain a neutral face when it would be considered inappropriate or it's just like not my business and I don't need to have a reactive face yeah behavior analysis really is a superpower understanding that you are a part of someone else's environment and your behaviors can affect their behaviors When someone makes an inappropriate joke and you whip out one of those faces, that's a great time to be aware of your facial responses. But when you're in a meeting and someone says something that you might not necessarily agree with, but there's nothing really wrong with it, or someone that you don't like is talking and that can be read on your face, that's when it's a problem. So when we say the neutral face, uh, I'm going to switch it and say open face. Because for me, a neutral face is an RBF because that's what my face is in neutral status. So when we talk about having this face here, it's essentially reminding yourself to watch how you respond in your microfacial behavior in these professional conversations. My suggestions here to have a face that people will be able to see that you're listening, see that you're engaged and feel comfortable continuing to talk a little bit of the eyebrow raise, a little bit of a smile, nodding your head's always helpful, just to show that you're engaged, you're here and you're focused. I know we've talked about this before, but I started doing this after I found out from a professor of mine in undergrad that she thought that I didn't like her because my thinking face is almost like a scowl. Like I throw my brows when I'm thinking. Being aware that I engage in that behavior is really helpful because if a student is coming to talk to me about an ethical violation that's taking place at their place of work and what they see from me is an angry face or an upset face, that's not an open environment for them to keep talking. Or if I'm at a consulting meeting, they say they want this change and what they see from me is a scowl. That's not the response I want them to be taking in from me. Even though I'm thinking, it's still important to see our impact, not necessarily our intent of our behaviors. So being conscious of those behaviors that are taking place when you are engaging in these conversations is extremely important. Definitely can be used as a superpower. On the same note here, we need to be not just conscious of our faces' behaviors, but of our whole body's behaviors. One of the things that I, I'm sure, listen, I'm sure someone else uses the same terminology, but I coined this for my own behaviors in undergrad when I was doing psychology courses and we were practicing therapy. I call it the art of stillness. Now, if you're someone at all like me, you're going to be bouncing your leg. You're going to be picking at the skin on your fingertips. Maybe you're twirling your hair. Maybe you're biting your lip. All of those tiny little behaviors can be distracting to someone else when you're in conversation. 
And I know that most of the time for me, like if I'm bouncing my leg, if I'm doing something else, it's probably helping me to pay attention to you. But when you're the person on the other side of that, when you're the audience, when you are the individual I'm working to attend to, those can all be distracting. So in those soft skills, even if you are great at multitasking or it helps you to concentrate, we want to ensure that the person who's talking to us perceives that we are listening to them. And sometimes being still is a great way to show that. Yeah. And it's also a great way to show confidence that you're actively paying attention because the irony is a lot of times when you're doing those behaviors, you don't realize it to yourself. It's helping you focus, but to the other person, it can be seen as like boredom, not paying attention, overstimulated. And so that's why it's a sign of confidence. If you just remain relatively still. Absolutely. Absolutely. And even like I mean, I'm someone who sometimes would open doodle when someone was talking to me because for me, my mind, okay, forgive the mentalism here, but when someone's talking to me, my mind is having its whole own conversation about other stuff that's going on. So when I'm doodling on a piece of paper that focuses my mind to focus on the doodle and my ears to listen to you. So I do fully understand that these skills can help us. But when we're thinking of soft skills in a professionalism sense, We want to ensure that we are putting out the type of person that we want people to perceive us as. We don't want someone to perceive us as someone who doesn't listen when they speak. And you know what? I'm going to put in a further argument here. If you are someone where those skills are extremely beneficial to your understanding, to your listening, stating that when you're talking to someone, hey, I just want to let you know that I am listening to you. This just helps me to better concentrate on what you're saying. Just being open and communicating that can help to level that playing field where we're both on the same page because you understand why I engage in this behavior. Exactly. It can also kind of give the other person a heads up of whether this is a deeper conversation you're going to keep going or if it's an appropriate time to stop because you can also use those subtle cues to your advantage or by observing the other person as to like, if they want to continue talking or if this would be an appropriate pause or if it's like a good time to wrap it up and clearly like they would like to end the conversation. And this communication isn't just for this one interaction. I'm a big believer that communication can help literally everything that we do. And one way that I use communication in my personal life is when it comes to when I should just be listening Versus when someone wants advice. I'm like this. I'm sure. I'm not sure. But I have a strong feeling Mary's probably like this too. Because we both have those people-pleasing tendencies we're trying to get over. But in that, we always want to help. We always want to assist. We always want to make it easier for you. We want to increase your success. And sometimes when someone comes to me, I won't say us. I'll just say me. When someone comes to me with a problem, My original go-to is to help provide a solution, to start brainstorming with you, to start giving advice. And you know what? You don't always want advice. I know I've been on the other hand of that. When you call someone to vent about something, just just to bitch, and they start giving you advice on how to fix it. And it's like, I didn't call. I already know what I need to do. I didn't call you for you to tell me what I needed to do. I called you so that I could share my frustrations with someone. So for me, this communication piece works great there because I'll just flat out ask someone when they're engaging in this event, when they're about to vent, do you just want someone to listen or do you want advice? And people will tell you because they know 
why they came into this conversation in the first place. And if you're talking about this in a professional situation, it generalizes beautifully the way Jackie described it in when you're networking or you're just like having a professional conversation at work, even if you know the person, you might not be able to tell, especially if you're talking about like business related projects or things, um, if they want to continue talk, if they want to continue like talking and venting, or if they want you to start providing like some information or some solutions and you can predict that better by reading their facial cues and like kind of looking at their body language in the same way that we just talked about how you can kind of manipulate and contrive your own body language and your facial expressions to like give off those social cues. So in terms of when to stop, (laughs) I feel like the cues are um, like they, like when, when you, when they want to continue talking but they don't necessarily want to hear what you have to say. I would say like they say something and you say one thing and then they like either go back to what they were just saying or they don't elaborate. So yes. they're like, would Absolutely. you say that's accurate? Yeah, they are looping back to what they want to talk about and they're, because sometimes, right, you're not in the place to receive advice. So when someone gives you advice, you're just going to breeze right past and go back to what your function of this behavior is. Or they just want to talk to you as a person. Yes. And of course here, we're not saying like you're going to be shit talking the people that you work with, but maybe you just got punched in the face by your client and you're coming to share this. You could be coming to share this to see how You should be responding to this problem behavior to see what block prompts or extinction runs we should be doing. Or you could just be coming to tell Mary that you just got clocked in the face. You're not thrilled about it. It was kind of funny. And you're just here to share that. And it's a really hard balance because especially as a student, as somebody who is seeking a career opportunity at these like networking events or talking with your boss or communicating with your coworkers, especially if there's a power dynamic and it's someone that you're chatting with because you want to get to know them because you want to learn about career opportunities and you want to gain their wisdom there's such a fine line because I've done both where I like share too much and it's like they don't care how many research articles you've read they just want to hear about you as a person and what hobbies you like and the names of your dogs and then I've also undershared where I don't give them enough and then they're like okay Cool. Like that was my opportunity to be like, I've been researching burnout mitigation techniques and job crafting is a blah, blah. So it's really, it's a delicate balance, but I do think reading, um, like observing and mastering those soft skills can kind of help to predict. It's not a sure thing, but predict whether it's a good opportunity to really like sell yourself, like, let's go, baby, you deserve it. Or to kind of rein back and let them talk or just like focus on what they're talking about. And on this social networking front, of course, I highly recommend going and checking out our social networking episode from pretty much the start of our podcast here. But I'm just going to briefly go over a couple of those points. I feel like when a lot of people think of social networking, they think of this as a, a main course. If I lose this opportunity right now, I'm not going to eat tonight. Whereas the way that I view social networking is as appetizers, little tapas, little snacks. So if I see someone that I want to talk to and they're maybe a little occupied, maybe they're getting food in a buffet line, maybe they're looking at a poster and it's not an appropriate time for me to have a full-blown conversation, I'll still go in and I'll make some joke, right? Like, oh, I see the salami's gone. We must really be into it. When I say a joke, I'm not talking stand-up comedy. I'm talking observational humor, right? 
because that's what's appropriate in these settings. So you make some form of joke, some sort of remark about what's going on around you. Then the next time you see them, maybe they are open and you already have an opener because I can walk up and say, did you ever get some of that salami? If not, I'll keep my eye out for you next time. And they go, oh my gosh, no, I didn't. And then you can dive into that introduction that you wanted to do earlier. Just because someone isn't available right in that moment for a whole conversation doesn't mean you can't start getting your face familiar with them. You can't start getting your personality familiar with them. In terms of having it not be awkward or having it feel like you're both robots and acknowledging that you're people and you want that personal connection, Jackie has a special little secret that she utilizes that when executed and I've observed, I'm like, dang, that was great. I usually go for the lower tier, which is make eye contact and smile. Sometimes that's all you need to do. You don't like if the joke's not coming, it's like, there's no salami on the table. There's no salami. Like, how do I make an observational joke? And you're like, what if I offend them? And all these thoughts are going through your head. Making eye contact and smile, trust me, just like linger with it a little bit. They might say something. And here's here's that big, the big secret we're discussing. Maybe you don't know if they like salami. But if you want to talk to this person, you know at least one thing about them. So when you're going into this social networking opportunity, you know one thing. The first time that you talk to them, I want you to learn one thing about them that you weren't able to find online, that you weren't able to find somewhere else, something that sparks their joy, something that they chose to share. Uh, Maybe that they like murder mystery. Maybe that they went skiing last weekend with their family. The next time you talk to them, whether it is in person, whether it's a follow-up email thanking them for the interaction later, you're going to bring up that one thing that they told you. This shows that you have been listening when engaging in the conversation. This works great for me in social networking settings, but I started doing this when I was working with 16 to 18 year old or 16 year old clients with extreme issues with anger management or previous sexual assault towards others. Gaining rapport with 16 year olds is a hard task. Getting that buy-in is a difficult thing. So when I would meet them, when they would first come in, I would focus on finding one thing that they liked, one thing that they enjoyed. For some of them, it's M&M. Some of them, it was Bionicles. And you remember that one thing, plus, of course, their name. And the next time you show up, you ask them a question about that one thing. And I would just see these boys' faces light up because someone listened to what they had to say. Someone listened to something that they cared about and they remembered it and cared enough about it to ask them about it. And it just shows like a more genuine approach to interacting with them. Like you're curious in how they're doing or something related to a hobby. And you're equally curious about the career connection or the networking opportunity, but it can also provide them a sense of ease because, and we, I think we mentioned it in that episode, um, it gives them something to, something to talk about that they're confident on. If you're not giving them any information, like who you are, what you're interested in, they're like, why are you talking to me? So immediately having that type of connection, if you've spoken before, um, can be a nice way to kind of like make them feel really comfortable and sharing about something that they, like it's about their own life. Absolutely. So essentially today, these soft skills, we tried to break them down for you. We have some body behavior. We have some facial behavior. We have vocal verbal behavior. 
and verbal behavior in terms of those email follow-ups. So soft skills can include quite a bit of information regarding those people skills that you're looking to accomplish in a workplace setting, in a social networking setting, that you can be perceived as someone who is empathetic, a leader, a problem solver, and who can effectively communicate with others. Yeah, and I think it's really, I've like self-evaluated my evolution of learning how to read social, like soft soft skills in general, learning how to read social cues and also like shaping my own. And it really does provide a sense of confidence in you interacting with individuals and knowing when you can really share and dive deep into something and advocate for yourself. But then also when you feel confident in just taking a step back and like not needing to really like completely like put yourself in the spotlight like it's okay for you to just kind of hang in the background absolutely is there anything else you wanted to share on this I don't think so I haven't read it yet I'll put the title and the author in the notes but there is I did watch an interview of this woman who like all she does is read body language and I'm obsessed with that I think I talked about this on a previous episode I literally don't care I'm gonna talk about it again because it directly relates to this her first book is Captivate and her second book is Cues and it lists like all these examples of micro expressions I haven't read it yet but I am I think it directly relates to this so if you're just as obsessed as I am or you want to learn more or you need like more concrete examples of what we're talking about when we say soft skills regarding like interacting with others and kind of like observing their behavior. Um, I would think that's a good place to start. I feel like we're making a little book club. <laughs> I just think it's fun. Like also for ourselves to note the resources because we have so many. So being able to share it with other people, but also to remind like myself, like, whoa, like that's something that I discovered and like other people should hear about it, but also like I should check it out too. Absolutely. Outside of reading, how are you staying hydrated this week? Okay, I got lip masks because I got a gift card. And so I got a pack, a bulk pack, and I've been trying to experiment with different lip masks. This one was great. The only thing I'll have to say is I have very sensitive skin, like porcelain baby skin that like I can't even wear most sunscreen. That's why I don't really wear makeup because, you know, your girl just, it just doesn't go well. Um, but I loved it. However, you have to be horizontal. So like, that's an important thing. Like you can be walking around like some of these, some eye patches, you can just fully, like you could do a workout. You could like walk outside. You could like do Pilates, like jumping around in the eye and the eye patches would stay put the lip mask. No, you got to be like in a meditative state, like not moving, but it did kind of irritate the outside, like not my lips because it like covers more than your lips. So I would say like that was kind of a bummer, but overall the experience of like getting the lip masks and putting them on, forcing myself to lay down, forcing myself to enjoy my little romance book that I make excuses to not read, even though I want to read it was how I stayed hydrated this past, right. the past like month, honestly. Love that you've been making that time for yourself. I hate, it's not, for me, it's not even like I don't listen. I don't have to go for a walk. I don't have to do Pilates, but when I can't sit up and have a mask stay on drives me crazy. Yeah. Like I gotta, I gotta be in bed. It's a good excuse to like start my bedtime routine. But if you're like trying to, to do something, it's like, no, we don't have time for this. Vetoed. How are you staying hydrated this week? 
On a similar note of the books that Mary mentioned earlier, uh, I'm watching a TV show and it's based off of books and it is a phenomenal. It's Reacher. So Reacher is like this badass guy who is just essentially like a, a human superhero is the best way to put it. Like his whole goal is to make the world a better place to stop bad people from doing bad things, even when it's people he doesn't know that are the victims of those bad people he's like well you're a bad person and i'm here to stop bad people so here i am so that's been a big hydrator this week and one of the things i love about the show is the main character is of course a tall glass of water he is he's a sexy man but on top of that what i love is so many of the other characters that are surrounding him are badass women so it's not just all about like men and power and badassery it's also women in power and women who don't take anything and women who are taking names, taking ass. So I just, I enjoy the show. It's one of those things where I'm like, I would love to be these people. Could I ever? No, my workout regimen is nowhere near the level of like these equivalent spies. But when you watch them, you're like, I don't know if I want to be you or if I'm just in love with you. <laughs> so I love the show. So, and that I'm going to have to go watch, or I'm going to have to go read the books. My cousin actually told me about this. She's a huge reader. Um, and she told me about the books and the show. And she's like, but start with the show, see if you like it. And if you do read the books and I loved the show. So I'm going to have to look into those reacher books soon. Maybe I could just have her send me her copies, save a little buck or two. <laughs> Heck yeah. That's actually a really good hot take watch, which I do a lot watch the movie or the series to see if you like it and read the book. That's what I did with my current romance book. I watched it because there was a movie on Amazon Prime. Wasn't super great, a little corny and cheesy, but I was like, you know what? I bet in text, this is phenomenal. And it was. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. And that wraps up this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Remember to make waves, collect data, and as always, behave yourself. <laughs>